As the livestock and poultry industries have become more global in nature, concern over the spread of foreign animal diseases seems to be an ever-present issue. Most recently, the rapid spread of African swine fever throughout Asia presented significant challenges to the international trade of pork and feed ingredients. How would the U.S. swine industry react if ASF made its way across the ocean and landed on our domestic shores? Welcome to Feedstuffs In Focus, the podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with Greg Eibach, U.S. Department of Agriculture Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs, about what USDA is doing to prevent the arrival of ASF in the U.S., and the department's planning for what happens if the disease breaks here anyway. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they are working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website, unitedanh.com. Earlier this month at the annual USDA Ag Outlook Forum, Undersecretary Eibach hosted a panel discussion on African swine fever. After the session, he sat down with Feedstuff's policy editor, Jackie Fatka, to recap the discussion. Let's listen in on their conversation. Maybe just focus on some of the things that USDA is doing to manage and prevent ASF from coming into our borders. APHIS is very much engaged with the prevention at our borders. We're working not only uh, domestically to raise awareness and to encourage producers to install biosecurity measures on their individual farms, but we're also coordinating with Canada and Mexico to be able to be aligned in the northern hemisphere here to uh, keep it out of our entire region. One of the requests this week was National Pork Producers Council asking for some additional testing on our organic soybeans coming in. What are your thoughts on that? Are you guys doing any testing right now? Obviously, you're testing shipments that are coming in from all over the world, but have you made any specific uh, focus on different things like organic soybeans that might be coming in? So the pork producers request is uh, for us to take a look at feedstuffs from African swine fever affected countries. We have been participating with the feed task force that the pork producers have had in place that hasn't really been able to come to a consensus conclusion as to whether or not there is an appropriate scientific uh, measure to or step to take with those feedstuffs. That said, we're looking at the science all the time. We're uh, evaluating the virus itself. As we heard today on the panel, the virus uh, needs to be nose-to-nose. The animals need to exchange uh, fluids in order to carry that. And so we need to make sure that we're making the right determination that's based on science. And we're working with ARS, the Ag Research Service at USDA, to look at those factors and uh, we will evaluate their requests. You guys have done some great work to kind of get out in the field and see how response would actually go if for the unfortunate case that we did find a confirmed case. And you've done some of those different scenarios and and trying to, to determine where maybe the weaknesses are. What did you find? Are there some holes that need some more work on as you've kind of gone through that? And and what plans do you have going forward to continue some of those exercises? So originally, years ago, most of the exercising that we did with a foreign animal disease was focused on foot and mouth disease, which affected a number of species, cattle, sheep, and swine. 
And so now as we've uh, kind of shifted with the uh, additional pressure concern caused by African swine fevers spread across the world recently, that's a different group of people that we're focused on in a different uh, set of scenarios in some cases. And we don't know how it will present itself. And so as we practice, we aren't going to have identified the perfect scenario, but as we learn how we interact with USDA with states, states with local law enforcement, states with producers, the packing industry. I think we'll have some experience at least talking to each other and hopefully we'll be able to adapt to the scenario that if we have to confront African swine fever outbreak. Obviously a lot of focus on African swine fever, but what are some of the other issues that maybe keep you up at night? The other disease uh, issues or pest issues, obviously you've got a, a large spectrum of things that you're watching. What are some other things on your radar? Well, the Animal Plant Health Inspection Service has a broad responsibility. Not only uh, are we concerned about livestock diseases, we're concerned about plant pests and plant diseases. And so, uh, you know, every day uh, somebody at one of our ports is interacting with uh, a shipment of plant material, of meat or seafood that we uh, are uh, denying access to in order to protect the U.S. agricultural industry. So we're always, always vigilant. But we're also looking forward to taking advantage of some opportunities with the new trade agreements to expand access to some U.S. agricultural products to other markets. We have seen expanded access uh, negotiated for potatoes into Japan. We'll see 13 different products that have expanded access into China as part of phase one. And APHIS is, uh, works directly with the importing country to establish those protocols to be able to allow our United States products access to those new marketplaces. You mentioned ports, and we did get a law passed through the House and the Senate to fund additional agricultural inspectors. Talk about the impact of that, uh, what role you'll play in helping add additional ag inspectors to, to be that first guard for here at the United States. So I believe that the legislation has passed that would authorize more uh, inspection agents to be deployed. Uh, we still have to have it funded. <laughs> and so uh, we're not completely over the hump yet there the, where we want to be. But definitely, uh, you know, having more people at the border uh, gives us more opportunities to get eyes on shipments. But we have developed an effective way to be able to identify risk in shipments as well. We have inspectors that are out in the marketplace that are identifying uh, where maybe uh, animal products or uh, fruit and vegetables come into the United States, uh, smuggled into the United States, and then we trace those back and we identify the importers and the exporters that are bad actors and then submit uh, subject their shipments to greater scrutiny. And that's where we've had a lot of our effectiveness at really clamping down on the smuggled goods coming in by identifying those bad actors. Animal disease preparedness was obviously a, a great win for uh, livestock producers in the 2018 Farm Bill. And you guys have started to roll out some of that. Maybe detail some of the steps that you have been able to take and where you see things going forward. 
the Farm Bill provided uh, three different programs that uh, were new for animal disease preparedness. Uh, one of those programs revolved around a, a laboratory network and uh, greater funding to be able to increase our diagnostic abilities. And so we focused on uh, what species uh, might be more prevalent in certain states and trying to make sure we have the diagnostic abilities available to be in uh, relationship to the livestock that exists in that state. The next uh, program had to do with the exercises and being prepared and communicating with producers about how to protect themselves from different livestock and poultry diseases. And finally, the third, uh, and we've we handed out in those first two programs, we've distributed the first tranches of money that uh, was made available uh, for those programs uh, here earlier, right after the first of the year. And we also, right after the first of the year, put out the RFP for vaccine manufacturers for foot and mouth vaccine to be able to offer or price to us how we might start the first investments in a vaccine bank, which was the third program that was funded in the Farm Bill. My thanks to Feedstuff's editor Jackie Fatka and to USDA Undersecretary Greg Eibach. You can read Jackie's coverage of the USDA Ag Outlook Forum and our entire staff's coverage of the ASF situation in the pages of Feedstuff's and by subscribing to the Feedstuff's daily e-newsletter. And thanks again to United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition, for sponsoring today's episode. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they are working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website, unitedanh.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuff's In Focus. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or you can always check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.